Why can't you see? <laughs> I can't go out. <laughs> Somebody get rolling gift at Blanky. He's freezing. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. Rolling gift some consonants. There's a, there's a hard C in there, Roland. You got indicted and turned yourself in and got a mug shot taken at Ear and Loathing. <laughs> get a mug of hot cocoa whilst you get a mug shot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is uh, Ear and Loathing, and we are the number one rockers forever. I wish you guys would stop writing me and telling me that we're not, because we've established it. 59 episodes worth of, uh, of proof. And this is the show where, I guess, what we do stuff, right? That's right. Yeah, do a couple things, yeah. <laughs> this is the one that does that. I still think that's our best slogan. The show where we do stuff. <laughs> We're going to listen to some shitty songs and then a good song. That's kind of how it rolls out. Uh, so, I would like to say hello to uh, the first Gitmo bro. He is the media darling of Ear and Loathing, and now he's here to say hello. Hi, I'm George White, and I'm going to be a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A declaration from George White. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so they used to call him down at the Y. I don't want to be. I'm going to be. <laughs> Gotta be. Gotta be. Sledgehammer. Right. <laughs> okay, Mr. Hammer, thank you for that. And he is calling in from the North Star. He's my North Star. He is George the Sledgehammer's North Star. And I believe he's Peter Gabriel's North Star. Last I heard. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! Tony Bennett left his heart in San Francisco, whereas I left my innocent passports and pants in Guadalajara! <laughs> oh, yeah. The last thing he remembers is a guy in a, in a referee shirt on roller skates, like blowing a whistle <laughs> and shaking his head around. And, and suddenly it all just went, went away. <laughs> and then I woke up just with no pants in Ames, Iowa. And a legend was born. <laughs> That's right. Let's see, we're going to be torturing George today, yeah, which is always fun. Well, for me and Aaron, at least. Yeah. And so um, I guess the first thing we need to do is check in uh, and have a guy sign some documents to let us into the kibitz corner that George is going to host. So let's, let's see what he has to say. And uh, try to keep it brief, please. We've got a lot of complaints about how long and tedious the show is. So, yeah. buddy, just uh, try to calm down a little bit today. Do you mind? Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. Man. You can ask, and he'll do it sometimes, on his terms. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's flipping me the bird right now. Sorry, Clem, jeez. <laughs> he's full of rage. So, George, what do you have to say for the Kibitz Corner that is now yours to uh, present what you have? Sure, roll my theme music I sent you. Here we go, theme music from George. Cause we get around. Talking about my generation. Things ain't do look awful. Alright. 
Guy Langasino sounds better every episode. That was just a who. Um, <laughs> oh. But it leads us in in a rather on-the-nose way. But uh, I'm not going to talk about the who. And, and you know, guys, I'm not going to do um, – I don't have any – I have no premise generator. I have no um, brockets. This is just an old-fashioned discussion between the Gitmo Bros. A kibitz, if you will. A kibitz, <laughs> if you will, in the kibitz corner. And um, the subject is, is Generation X. It's our generation. Hmm. And what I've noticed over, and I've discussed this a little bit with Damon, and Damon's quote inspired me for this for this segment, was that um, I've noticed on TikTok and in generally in the media and in the whole world now, there's this generational war between Gen X and, the, and Gen Z and the millennials. And I've even been at parties and heard people like quote things back to me from the internet, like, yeah, we had it tough and we're not pussies and all of that stuff. And then uh, when I mentioned it to Damon, which I say to these people when they say, hey, you know, we're like that, I go, yeah, um, I told my friend Damon that. And he went, yeah, you know, well, um, you know, drinking out of the hose isn't exactly storming the beach at Normandy, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Did I say that? Yes, you did. Very funny. I'll tell you what, it might be a lateral move danger-wise, though, as far as chemicals and... (laughs) I want to get you guys' take on you know just you're gonna have some things here about about Generation X that I think we all know, but I wanted to get you guys' take on how you felt about that. Where this thing's been set up now about these different generations, and I don't even remember us really caring about that. And, and speaking of us, the thing the thing that made me crack up the most was that the first time I remember anything about a a, a certain generation was. The me generation, which I think we weren't part of, but the 70s was the me generation. That was our parents. Yeah, yeah and I'd forgotten that that's why it was called the Us Festival. Did oh. you know that? Oh, instead of instead of me, it's us, it's it all was, of us. I, didn't, I, I remembered that now. Of like, that's why that was called the Us Festival, because it wasn't about me. <laughs> I always thought it was Wozniak was just into busty women, and he just le- and to be to not upset people, he left the B and the T off. <laughs> he wanted to call it the Busty Festival. And, yeah. By the way, Van Halen, they were fine with it. That's what but, they agreed uh, to. Yeah, so same with the Scorps. <laughs> the Scorps were cool with it. I felt it was you a know, bait and switch. The Clash, not as much. You know, no, but. no, no. They were happy with the change. When he was workshopping it, the original name it was Oobs. <laughs> Generation. It's the Oobs Festival. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, did you guys go to that? No. No, I, I was a bit too young. You guys were too young, yeah, because I was like 16 and I went. It was dangerous. It was. <laughs> yeah. I, and, you know, and, and that's and that's one thing about uh, about this is that I suppose we did more dangerous things. But, I, I mean, first of all, do you guys remember actually drinking out of a hose very much? Sure. Yeah, all the time. I was in the fucking valley, baby. That's all there was. I remember that as a last resort. Like I, you know, well, I think you had someone at home or like keys to your house or I didn't have anyone at home. I had keys to my house, but of course we were all latchkey kids, you know, that... <laughs> in the fucking streets, dog. The thing about back then, and it it's true. I mean, I, I know it sounds like an exaggeration like you would hear. I walked to school, you know, in 30 degree weather uphill both ways, you know. Yeah. And now we're those guys. Yeah, right? Like you never had money for anything. It's so like buying yourself a Coke or a Gatorade or something was just out of the fucking question. You would either out of a drinking fountain, you would know that, oh, the library has a drinking fountain. You stop your bike there, get, get, right. or you yes. stop at your friend's house and drink out of the hose and then continue whatever you're doing. If you, and if you were hippies, like my parents, I would, if I was lucky enough to be in the room <laughs> on a hot day, I grab myself some milk or, or some Van Nuys water. So it was just, you know, 
Here's some more water. And if you want to get yourself a glass of water, a tap water out of Van Nuys, it probably flows directly from the water park into Aaron's plumbing. <laughs> That's as close <laughs> as I could get. <laughs> but uh, also, do you remember the fucking hassle of ice cubes? Mm-hmm. You had to crack them on that metal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the rack. Yeah. And, and like, it was just such a hassle that you just didn't bother with it, you know? And then no one, some asshole in your family would never refill it. So you'd, you'd go and there'd be like, it'd just be an empty ice tray. It was in still the, Van Nuys water. The, <laughs> it was cold. It was cold. But by the way, was Van Nuys water terrible then? I don't know because I, I don't, don't remember. Know. I don't fucking remember. Uh, they put uh, chlorine in it and alkaline and not alkaline. Sorry, chlorine and fluoride. fluoride and all that. But that was the early '80s, and it wasn't when we were kids. I don't remember anyone saying the water was bad, and there, we, there wasn't bottled water wasn't popular because like you said we drank out of drinking fountains most of the time at school and nothing hurt worse when you were in line drinking fountain you're drinking at the drinking fountain and then everyone started shoving and you just hit your teeth and gums right on the metal thing and just then then you're tasting blood and water just the move was to just eat less and certainly stay away from salt so that you weren't thirsty so you just didn't come up i didn't think of any of that i I had soda at my house and i could you know have a seven up or whatever yeah you know La-dee-da. Water was my last thing, last last resort, and the hose was <laughs> It shows, it shows. George was drinking out of hoses, but it was at a mansion in San Marino. Ow! So no, wait, no, you guys are the tough guys. Now, I like this because now I, I always feel like that I'm the old, craggy, tough guy in the room now, and I just don't know how we got to that, how yeah. we got to that with our generation. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? How do we get to be the? Because I remember we were considered the pussies by the 50s guys, and everyone above yeah. us was like, you guys are soft, and, and they, they were, everyone was like that with us. And it's yeah. funny to me, and I, or maybe what troubles me about that, and I want to see if it did you guys as well, is that, for me anyway, and, I, and this is a characteristic, I suppose, of Generation X, they want you to think it is, that we were treated like adults, or I was treated like an adult almost my whole life. And so now I feel, now, now it's odd to me that I actually am an adult and am the oldest guy in the room, even though I was treated like one my whole life, and I have a conflict with that. I feel odd when... You know, I'm the oldest guy in the room, and it bothers me. I'm like, God, everyone's younger than me. Fuck, and I'm the, and I'm the craggy old guy. I was put in front of a lot of weird adult situations, but not treated like an adult. Mm. But I was in like inappropriate situations. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Fucking yeah, like yeah. just, yeah. but like a lot of nudity, a lot of nudity, <laughs> a lot of weird like sexualized art. You know, yeah, so like, yeah. so not, not man and woman coming across the Kama Sutra, n- not that, not yeah. that, like outside shit. <laughs> Cause of all my, my dad's artist friends. And so I'd be like fucking 10 around like the male nude show, you know, at the gallery <laughs> or like, or like, or like a bunch of naked women hanging out, like, you know, just be, be crazy. And I mean, it's no wonder that I have a head like I do, but like, it's just, it's, was pretty intense and pretty strange, but I don't ever recall feeling I'm really having an adult experience. I got hypersexualized and hyper aware of things too early, and as a result, had to reckon with all of that. So in that way, I had to get to an adult place, an adult mindset, early, early. But I didn't have any of the trappings of being one or any <laughs> of the facil- uh, faculties to 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 really truly reckon with it and make sense of it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the torture songs we've done, maybe not a lot, but a, a good percentage of them are like the 70s sex innuendos that kids had yeah. to listen to. Like, yeah. what's coming to mind? Like, do you want to make love? There's a lot of songs <laughs> like that. 
on. Uh, and then the Charlene song where she, mm-hmm. you know, been undressed by kings and all that stuff. It's, it's just maybe that generation was having fun listening to these little kind of sexual stories they were telling each other without you know, really take into account that kids have ears too and have to hear all this shit too. And then your mm-hmm. parents never fucking bothered to explain any of it to you or anything. They just- and then they get, <laughs> then they split up and they start dating. And so you go, Oh, so everyone's running around fucking ramrod and everyone, which, <laughs> which, you know, people were still lost and not in relationships back then too. And like yeah. had long periods of being single one assumes and not like hooking up. But the yeah. impression was like you're saying, David, that's right. Is that we'd hear this music and then you'd see your parents split. And from time to time, people, going on dates you're just like jesus christ with the fucking caligula over here (laughs) (laughs) i've seen some things that a woman just ain't supposed to see myself i I was literally undressed by kings (laughs) 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 one of the notes i have here is that is that i i didn't feel like that um people that had two parents and i and i did an informal thing in my head of my friends and it was about 50 percent which is what the divorce rate was then. But I didn't feel like they were any better taken care of than me really or had less problems or any of that. Because that's certainly a characteristic they push all the time is we were a feral generation and no one took care of us and all of that. And the the thing that I... I didn't think about it like that then. It was just my life or how things were. I didn't think of it as special or I would be part of a generation or, you know assign these characteristics or any of that. George, did a lot of your friends have like, in my, when I think of like a quick, like review of my own friends and my own, the parents I was around, it was almost always my friends and their mom was the person around, not the, not the dad, either he lived somewhere else. So like the mom was as usual doing the work uh, during the week. And then the dad would show up during the weekend. That's like a lot of my friends, a lot of them. And so, Sure. Georgie, when you, and I think Damon the same. And so with George, in your world, did because like dads were always had that, oh, fucking Mr. Whatever's coming home, fucking, fucking tighten it up. Did you have that experience? Did you have that tropey experience, George? Because I didn't. There weren't any dads around. I didn't also, um, I, uh, because I felt like I was an adult or treated that way by everyone in my family and my mom and everything, I didn't, especially men, Men were just just guys to me because my mom dated men and I knew and, and it not bothered me, but I'm like, oh, I know what they want. And they were just <laughs> guys to me. They were just guys. Like every guy would like, yeah, how's it going, Pete? I didn't say Mr. Johnson. I'm like, hey, I, I, know, what's, eh, I know what's up with you. Like, <laughs> I didn't, right. I, didn't I, I talked to adults like adults. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, dad's coming home. And also, since there was no dad in my house, I wasn't ever afraid of a dad. Because right. he was never coming home. So, you know, it wasn't, right. wasn't like I was the dad, but, you know. But did your group of friends have that single mother weekend dad environment? Some of them did. But most of the times, most of the times the, the, the dad just picked them up or they just, it would be like, Gary's in Laguna this weekend with his dad. And he was just out that right. weekend. He wasn't yeah. at the house. He was, you know, he was just gone. Um, he was taking night courses at GI. To get certified <laughs> as a true coxman. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I did think about that. I thought, like, got four levels t- left, man. Fuck. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I thought, is this too big of a topic for us to bite off? You know, in ten or fifteen minutes. And I thought, no, we've 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 branded a uh, a complete world for for coxman. We made that up out of thin air. Mm-hmm. We've done James Bond, soup to nuts with the the plot, the casting, the song, everything. Of course, we can handle this. 
Yeah. We're the Bros. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing we cannot do. But also, I think it does come to bear, you're right, Georgie, that like so much of what we do and sing and, and play and review deals with the the audio soundtrack from all that time. Yeah. So right. like it comes to bear on our opinions of it. I remember like growing up, I, I had a very narrow view of what we would call now yacht rock. And it would depress me, like actively. And I didn't really ever know why. Mostly because it was the soundtrack of people leaving in my family. Yeah, for sure. You know, stuff not working out or me being alone or just... You know, and that was adult music. You're right. That was what adults... It was about serious adult relationships. You know, and even even if you listen to these, like, for instance, Rumors, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, exactly. It's about adults breaking up is what that's about. All of them. All of them. Yeah, and it's like, in, in the, I, I do identify with that, that I, when I think about that a lot, like what music's like now, and it's much younger and for younger people. And but it's very temporary, music, and they believe yeah. it to be, like, because I don't know that people will be like, oh, I'm an Ariana Grande fan, like the early shit, I still play that second record all the time. Like, I just don't know that that culture lives anymore, which is fucking fine, because the world turns and, and the path people take to collect their art changes, and... You know, I, See, I don't know. I, I know what you're saying, though, about her songs don't seem, they seem more for kids than they do. And, I, and she's a random pick yeah. for me. I mean, like, really anybody. No, but anybody. Like, I know. You know, it's. And then you get into, I got into fucking punk rock and all the stuff that I got into as a young kid and then got out into the world and got some more chops. But, like, somewhere around, like, 91, <laughs> I went, like, ah, this fucking song is pretty sweet, really. And, right. and like, <laughs> I lost, <laughs> I lost a lot of the vinegar that I had. Yeah against them because the craft is so strong after especially after being in a band for a bit of time and saw what it was like to create things and what it's like to sing well together with people and we were a singy band in the monas when we were kids and so i would reflect back on stuff like that like the mac and and fucking fucking dan vogelberg shit like that and go like god damn that is not easy those guys are pro you know so you get to appreciate it and start to to feel the wounds less profoundly that they were reminding me of which is like people leaving and divorce and sadness and uh, not being satisfied. There's a lot of that temperature, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. and if you're not satisfied, that means you're going to leave and go find something. And then what happens to me, you know, was the thought of, so dissatisfaction was very dangerous as an emotion or a feeling to me. And I think that yeah. that left me on edge a lot of the time, which was a f- part of the, the consequence. And I think a lot of kids felt like that. And so like the consequence of those, that feeling is that you had a lot of fucking uptight people waiting for Xanax <laughs> to come. <laughs> and I had a long way to go until I got some. And, and, and all we had was Matus. <laughs> yeah, except that fucking awesome. Always backstage with the Matus, dude. Matus those weird shaped jugs. Right, green jug with like a, so with weird, a, like a ship on it. A yeah, ship yeah. on it, yeah, right. Like a ship should be in the bottle, right? <laughs> that in the blue nun. In the blue nun, right. Yeah, that was the other one. Um, the other thing is they, there's so many things that are like, when they list things about, you know, that, that are hallmarks of our of, of Generation X, you know, things like, um, and, and they say it's like a big deal, like like arcade games. And, and I thought like, well, yeah, but you weren't thinking about that then because, you know, pinball was the gateway drug and you'd play pinball and then one day there was an asteroids machine next to it. You weren't making a political decision or a <laughs> yeah. generational decision. You were like, hey, what's this? You know, and that yeah, was it. Right. And, and, and it reminded me of all those things, uh, cultural things like, what was it, like uh, parachute pants and... Uh, <laughs> Always comes back to the parachute pants. Mixtapes. Like, mixtapes, we made them because we could. Because we figured out that we could make a mixtape. Yeah, and right. That, 
You know, I could listen to a Kiss song, and then next would be the Eagles. Did you think that Aerosmith? maybe it was it was a replacement button for a machine that actually could record? They could just no, use no, that what, button. What I, they no, wanted. What I thought was what I thought was was I didn't know if it meant it said record or record. I thought, oh, you press that if you want to have the record player on. Like maybe that. Like homonyms. I made a mixtape, and everyone was blown away. Like, well, well what tape's this? How come you have Aerosmith and then, you know, then Kiss, then Van Halen? On, I'm like, yeah, I made a mixtape. <laughs> and I didn't call it mixtape. I just called it a I tape. I thought you were a witch. I guess, right? But, I, but a lot of those things were technological like that, where they said, you know, these are things that were hallmarks of the, of the generation. And the other one that I, you guys will probably, you guys are a little younger than me, disagree on is that you know, it's such a hallmark of Gen X of grunge music, which I didn't like. I didn't like grunge music. That was the death of everything that I loved was when that came. And so I didn't like it. Now I've grown to like some of it, but I didn't, that wasn't a big thing to me. In fact, I kind of hated it. I loved it because it it felt like there was actually a chance for our band at that time. And we were near the end of what was our band at the time. But for a few years, we were what the flavor was. And that was never the case. You know, if we were ever the flavor or anything, it would be something like down in the middle of downtown L.A. would be the flavor and not at all what was getting a deal. So when that showed up, I thought, oh, we've got a fucking chance, uh, especially with the way things were at the time and the writing and all that. So I, I was I was quite happy to see it and happy to see Paul Abdul go. <laughs> there was an offshoot of grunge that was the, the female version. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not talking about Sheryl Crow and Joan Osborne and that next generation of it was this it was like hole and uh l7 and then yeah l7 and uh mm, l7, what was right, the yeah. they did the the song seether um uh, veruca salt yeah veruca salt like that was we could have totally rode that wave in you know yeah i mean and the pretenders were always happening so like i always believed that like someone was going to get wise and realize that al was the new chrissy hind as far as i was concerned and so we just needed to be we needed to be the best Pete and Martin we could be. <laughs> yeah. okay, you, you play her that clip and she will be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I told her as much. Like I felt I believed her to be that. She, she was heroic to me in her capacity to be a fucking badass in a similar way and be cool in a similar way and fucking be pretty, but ass kicky in a way like she was built for that to me. And so I believed in it, and I and so the timing was right, and I didn't, I didn't, and plus I never really bought in the. Oh, that's a bigger discussion, but like that, that it killed everything. I know that it did, as far as you were concerned, because that's what you loved. I believed yeah. it was still there, but it's not the same. For Damon, real. did uh, Nirvana speak to you? Is that what about you? <laughs> well, I was happy that it ushered out bands like Bon Jovi, or at least that not Buns. <laughs> like like po- poison and and yeah. autograph, you know. <laughs> Give me some mo. But I wasn't particularly happy that they ushered in bands like that second generation of of grunge, we, like Creed and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The sort of top four grunge bands are. I didn't really care about them at the time. I sort of have more respect for them now, and I sort of like listening to them, but. They beget this horrible next generation, you know, of mm-hmm. the the guys with the manufactured angst, like Fred Durst and guys like that. Well, you know, well, like every music business trend does, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it wasn't any different. You, I wasn't surprised by it happening, but it <laughs> it really was like 
I didn't care about the music that much back then. It never spoke to me because I thought a lot of it was. Uh, it all. It's almost like uh, John Lennon started it with that that Plastic Ono Band album, where you just screamed about what you were feeling at the time, and it was never like, <laughs> I just had some great tater tots. It was more like, you know, I feel lonely and you know and angsty, and so I just thought, I mean, I'm your same age, dude, and I, you know, I feel shitty too, but I don't write these stupid songs about it, you know. They were. <laughs> Speaking to a bunch of other people, and it's young people have to complain about shit. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's what they're kind of built for, you know, because they, it's just they, they can have agency over being angsty and pissed off. Like, it's a big yeah. thing. To, it's like getting to be able to drive even with a learner's permit for the first time is that you, uh, at the at the detriment of your fellow man, are now behind the wheel. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you're too young to control it, it doesn't mean that maybe you should go out there and, <laughs> and do it. So like when yeah. people are, are angsty, they're in control of, fuck you, fuck that, fuck the man, fuck everybody, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's all, it's not always based on anything. And this sort of steers us back into that, the, the original thought that George brought up, which was the difference between the generations. Yeah. And it's really only because, uh, young people now grew up with social media and we didn't, and I can't tell you how many uh, people of our generation, you know, siblings or just friends who go, thank fucking Christ we didn't have social media when we were kids. Because yeah. A, you would, there'd be a lot of embarrassing shit captured on digital documentation of, yeah. of your shit. But also, just like my stupid opinions I had back then, I thought I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, I'm already embarrassed about shit that I did back then. I'm just glad it's not documented somewhere, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> Just stories with your friends, right? Never remembers it differently. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, we were just starting to like videotape a lot of stuff, like drunken evenings and little skits and shit like that. So like that was around and that was funny. But if you're trying to be funny, it's one thing. But like, it's not like you're sitting there doing a confessional like all these fucks are now. Like, it's always somebody sitting in a weird car somewhere, like in a parking garage going, hey, what's up? It's your girl. Uh, right. Yes. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? And why are you in a parking garage? Why should I care why, what you say in a garage? Yeah. Do you need help? <laughs> a lot of them do, by the way. I know. I know. Jeez. That's kind of what they have going against them. Um, yeah, I, I never walked around thinking that because we didn't wear seatbelts or something that we're special. Right. Um, that's the thing. They're trying to make this whole... That's the whole part that bothers me, and I feel like I'm, I'm going to say the man. I don't know who they are. But someone's trying to get us at war with each other. You yeah. see all that on TikTok yeah. and these other places where there's there's now a profile. And, and they, they tried it from the beginning because I looked it up and I remembered that like cover stories were of on on um of Time magazine where they called us slackers and twenty somethings and they had a whole profile about us and there was like there must have been twenty covers about that during you yeah. know, from the eighties to the nineties. Well, don't you think there's a similarity? There's something similar to when, you know, if you can call something, give something a title and then break it apart and say that all of those people are da, 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 which is taking away their individualism and their humanity. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so oftentimes it's a harmless way, like the yuppie thing or whatever the fuck. Right. Generation Z, you know? And so the more, if you could do that, then you can fuck with them easier because their humanity is lessened. It's just the way it is. It's how people are naturally. And so like, and that's a version of the big one where people are awful to trans people and da, 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 da. So they create like this division so that it's easier to make moves like that and marginalize people. That would be harder to do if you said Gary is da, da, da. There he is. Right. And right. I'm going to say to his face that he's dang, 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 dang. 
No, you have to say, Gary is part of a group that is da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? Mm. It's dangerous business. Fuck Gary, by the way, though. They're right Fuck about Gary. that. <laughs> Anyone named Gary. You know, Gary's are like this. Not Gen X Gary's. Any Gary is like this. Every Gary you know. I knew bringing up our youth was going to steer George back to his hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> is this a day that ends in Y? We're going to get to that. It was more something that you said, Damon, or that, that uh, it's a department anywhere. And I said, uh, this is from the grandma has pink hair department. And, <laughs> and, and and what I thought about was that we don't, none of us have kids, but I did think like it must be pretty hard to be a kid now because we were kids we could dress weird and all that and I'm, I'm reminded of that quote in I think it's Peggy Sue got married from Nicolas Cage what's the use of being young if you can't dress weird you know <laughs> right yeah and, and I thought and I thought think about trying to come up to any of us as parents or even as uncles or whatever and go yeah, I'm gonna get pink hair and an earring and, and any one of us would go oh yeah I had pink hair and an earring and we're not upset at all about anything because anything you can think of dressing weird we probably did it already yeah and yeah. so there's no, there's no shock or there's no fun anymore because we did everything. Like, oh, I'm putting on women's clothes. Oh, okay, you want? I think I have some in the garage still. You know? <laughs> I have photos. I have a lovely of me pink duster. A lovely junior. pink duster yeah. with uh, shoulder pads. You want to try it? <laughs> a pink duster. <laughs> do you want to? Do you like to try? It's from it? the CC Deville collection. Exactly. It's like a cross between CC Deville and Marlo Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, and I thought about, I really thought about that, that it must be, that must be difficult for, for you to shock anybody anymore. Like, that was fun for us when we were young. That was a fun thing to do. Walk into somewhere and everyone's like, oh my God, who the fuck is this guy? You know, and now I don't think that happens. You have to try harder with that or, you know, since our generation did everything. I do have an interesting relationship with kids, like nieces and nephews and, you know, just friends kids yeah. where i don't talk to him in that sing songy sentence ends in a question like okay you know where they, they yeah. are they're always asking the kids permission if it's okay go brush right. your teeth okay kids seem to like me and maybe i'm just you know kind of like that's what i want to believe but like it's fun to talk to kids where you just as george described earlier like the adult is just treating the kid like an adult we just have conversations and i get right. along great with my nieces and nephews i mean there are a lot of them are older now but even the younger ones they like hanging out with me because we just have conversations. We don't, you know, so tell me about school. You know, I hated when my, when adults would ask me about that. And I think they were trying to be nice and relate to me and stuff, but it just, it just was a boring conversation. To me. When I, somebody I talks rather... to you like that, it, it forces you bizarrely because they're trying to be sweet. But what happens is, is that it forces you as a kid, you sort of view that as, oh, what am I giving a presentation now? But yeah. like, if you say, how was school? It was fine. Yeah, and, you know, and like, and, and you go, okay, and and that's an acceptable answer because it's fucking fine. You go, yeah, I hear you. It was are any of you thinking of the lyrics for "Be Good, Johnny"? What kind of boy are you, John? Going to play football this year? Yeah, right. <laughs> sure are a funny kid, Johnny. But I like you. <laughs> but I like you. I have one last question, and then I think I have my answer. You know, um, fucking like fucking waiting his time before the fucking torture, dude. This is yeah, a, I, yeah, I have one a, more a thing. yeoman's I, job at doing this. I know we we could talk about this forever. But <laughs> okay, I, that I, was age two through six. Now, okay, let's now, <laughs> no, but I, uh, I, the, the one thing that, that I, I, that they really talk about as a hallmark of our generation was being afraid of nuclear war. That was the big thing they they told us. And remember mm. all that, an evil empire, yeah. etc. And I don't, I don't remember actively being afraid of that. 
unless I mean someone told me I was supposed to be, but I don't remember thinking about that every day or being depressed about it or particularly worried. I saw or, my parents were very afraid of it. I kind of always had this bizarre thought of like the thing that would be kind of groovy about a fucking nuclear bomb is that we'd find out what fucking happens real quick and wouldn't have any pain. Like we'd get the biggest answer to the biggest question quick and not feel an ounce of pain. Rather than getting shot in the leg and die on a battlefield at Antietam for two days. Ugh, fucking punji stick like the Sarge. <laughs> punji stick, right. <laughs> Mustard gas. <yeah. laughs> All that. What about Damon? Were you afraid of nuclear war? Because they talk about that being a huge deal for on the internet. That's a huge deal about our generation. I don't that. remember doing any of those drills in class where you would. It was the 50s, wasn't it? Yeah, the 50s and the yeah. 60s. but And that was before us. Um, yeah. I remember watching the day after, which right. was a, Everyone a mini is, I think it's still in the top 10 of the most watched television yeah. shows ever. And so who shot JR? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gotta imagine that's horrible now if you try to watch it. But at the time yeah. it was, it was, it didn't scare me though. I just went, well, that would suck if that happened. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't either. Anything about it. So I think yeah. there's some things here that they, you know, all the things they mentioned, like dial phones and like I said, mixtapes and all that. And then I thought, I thought, you know, I started thinking about things that, you know, made a difference in my life or when, you know, I thought they might as well list Chicken McNuggets, Hustler Magazine and Van Slip-Ons because those things, <laughs> I thought about those more than probably other things that they list on these, on these things like arcade yeah. games. And I thought right. those were really that dude, me. that dude <laughs> in uh, Poland, uh, Lech Walenza. Lech yeah. Walenza. Yeah, right, yeah. Like uh, George thought way more about slip-ons than yes. Lech Walenza. Yeah. As any teenager would. <laughs> yeah, why he's why why are you even thinking about Poland, dude? It's not my I don't know. not my problem. And, and, and speaking of that, you guys are like this. I did I I I did I did write papers in college, and I did write it. I just this was right on the same the same time as um Honky Tonkin that I didn't write. <laughs> it was and I wrote a paper about protest music, and it was similar to this about the '60s generation. And it's and and I came to the conclusion that I didn't know that. Certainly there was music like that protest protest music out there, but that kids were probably just going to concerts and going to buy records and listening to the radio and do things that kids did. Not all of them, you know, thought of like, gee, I'm protesting. Yeah, everyone's just being bingos, just out there catching acts. Right, exactly. Right. That's what you're going to shows because probably because you wanted to meet girls and see bands and Exactly. I, I believe that that's probably true, but like, you know, the impression is powerful. Branding is powerful. And that's what happens when people do all that shit, is that those labels get stuck and then people get fixated on them you know yeah and that's that and you know what and with that aaron i have my answer so thank you guys if <laughs> i'm talking about our generation <laughs> all right before we bring in the uh, the hero of our generation mr michael kane aaron <laughs> did in your research did you determine if maureen mcgovern did the theme song for the day after <laughs> no she should have <laughs> that's a real missed opportunity like where's fucking mcgovern dude <laughs> she's like clearing her throat and pointing to herself right here <laughs> she comes, she's just outside the meeting just running scales la, 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 la. <laughs> who the fuck is that out there Sounds who was white. your girl that was singing higher in the choir what's her name <laughs> oh Maybe yeah for her I, moment I, what, when Sarah? I was editing the episode I thought of it and now I'm, I'm losing it oh it was oh fuck I just had it the other day and I I'll think of it like tonight I'll wake up at four in the morning and Cindy right yeah. <laughs> I'll sign back on Zoom and just wait for you guys to get back on. All right. Well, George has his answer about our generation. I have my answer about Maureen McGovern doing the uh, the theme song for the day after. 
And uh, let's make sure that Michael Caine has his, too. Uh, what do you think, Mike? I have my answer. I have my answer. <laughs> okay, yeah, put a button on that for sure. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it was uh, the reason I thought it was because one of our torture songs. It was Loretta. Loretta. It was <laughs> yeah. for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> there's awesome. got to be, there's got to be. <laughs> Sounds good, Loretta. Maybe just once or twice do it. No, every time, I guess, huh? <laughs> it's Loretta's time to shine. <laughs> she, that's in her head right before. It's Loretta's time to shine. <laughs> all right, George, this is all fun and games, yeah, but uh, okay. let's get down there. Uh, 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 here we go. Torture chamber. Okay, I'm not gonna bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm gonna torture you anyway. Suffering. All right, George in the TC, and let's see. So last episode, we did Little Dicky, and we did, um, you guys were torturing me. Yeah. And and then Aaron brought in Maureen, speaking of our pal. Yeah. Right. Speaking of Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron went second, which means, I believe, if you follow the government's math, that means Aaron will go first today. Hooray! Yeah. That seems to work, yeah. I like it. So why don't you walk us up? All right, excellent. Well, let me just say this. This artist is special. He's a unique performer. He's viewed with deep, great love across... No, I'm just joking. Everyone hates him. (laughs) Everybody hates this man. And this artist's take on dance hall reggae... Mm. Makes Neil Diamond's past attempt sound like he belonged alongside Bob Marley as a valued <laughs> member of the Whalers. <laughs> his, as, his, as, his, as his joint roller. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's Bob and this guy, uh, Neil Diamond. So this, this, this artist, this is such an awful, oh. abysmal thing that it makes Neil look legit. And in that case, he was not. Uh-oh. So okay. uh, let's start it. And just before the headache uh, rots your brain, yeah. we will pause it and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Okay. Here we go. Okay, stop it. <laughs> Sounds like the kid from... Musical, musical youth. youth. Yeah. This it is does, right. Yeah. Without the great hook. Yeah. <laughs> In 2004, Steven Seagal. Yeah. Released oh. a dance hall song called strut. Whoa. It's always about strutting with the, yeah. In which he sings in a fake Jamaican accent and sings with a lady dance hall rapper called saw S a W saw lady saw. Yeah. So that's that's a gal that's singing there. Uh-huh. And Stephen's accent is chef's kiss beautiful. Like, first of all, <laughs> he doesn't need to fucking have a patois. He does, like, there's no, it's not important that he does that at all. He could just sing, especially like her vibe is very, very, very from the island. Like, you don't really understand what she's up to or what she's saying. 
And so like he could err on the side of not doing that, especially because he's a fucking dopey honky. Yeah. But not only does he do it, but his first line in this song, and let me tell you, this 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 song is about <laughs> a guy talking to a romantic partner and expressing his desire for intimacy. He acknowledges that she has needs too. Uh, and he, and he'd like to emphasize the importance of respecting her and her needs and not objectify her based on her appearance. That said, his first line is me one dapunani. <laughs> well, and by the way, you know, what you just described very eloquently, that's what a lot of dancehall songs are about. Sure. That's fine. <laughs> and it, yeah. but like Steve, yeah, Steven Seagal. Not for you, pal. Weighing Not for you. In. You don't get to do it, wow. guy. So you'll know which, which one is him when he shows up. <laughs> and I want you in your mind to start thinking about, because I wrote down some examples of what I think. Tell me what your image, when you close your eyes, what's your image of what Steven physically doing when he's recording these lines? Like, what's his status? Where is he and what's he doing? So let's listen to, let's listen to Steve. Okay. We're going to map Steven Seagal. Right. Okay. Okay. Stop it. Now, like I will start, I will give you two of what I think he's doing and sort of set the pace so that you guys can maybe give me some ideas too. Okay. And I have like five of them. Here's two. One, my impression is that he's tucked tightly into bed wearing a nightcap that's four <laughs> sizes too small. And he and they've dropped a mic in front of him. And then the other one is one of the other ones is just did a hot pepper challenge prior to being approached by a mobile recording unit on the street. <laughs> and his tongue's all fat and yeah. messed up and he can't talk. Right, right. <laughs> He's looking for a glass of milk. Yeah, yeah. They're like, no, 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 So, wait, you hear me say, And, like, I have the lyrics, but it's not important. It's just no. the fact that he's saying punani, and he wants to make her come, and, like, these are the things that he's up to. That's what he's saying. But, like, what's your first impression of when you hear Steve? Did you, have you ever heard him sing? And... Is this how you thought it would be? And what do you think Steve is doing, much like my thoughts? It's really Bruce Willis-y, you know? Right. Because yeah. what George doesn't know is that the album cover has a picture of Steven Seagal sort of resting his head on the neck of a Stratocaster as if he's mm -hmm. playing guitar. <laughs> um, you know, I promise you he's not playing guitar on this song or at all. <laughs> um, so anyway... Yeah, he thinks he's when I say he's like Bruce Willis, it's because he someone told him, "Hey, man, you you have some musical talent." By the way, wasn't his heyday the '90s? Mm -hmm. Who was still investing money in this guy in 2004? Late, 80, late '80s to the '90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I looked it up, and uh, despite serious backing from the government of, of the Azerbaijani government, this <laughs> album stiffed. <laughs> Are you serious? The Azerbaijani who, who played for this? Um, mostly himself, but right. uh, like he's 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 got a career, a musical career in places like <laughs> Azerbaijan. Oh, like a like a Baywatch thing. Like they a, love him. Like, yeah, yeah, they love like, him. They okay. love him. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, my impression was he was on the toilet. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, George. Is he kicked the, the door open and put the yeah. mic in and he just didn't want to be part of it. Like he... <laughs> is, he, is he using the restroom or is he just in there 
avoiding fans or like no, he's or sitting like, on the toilet and his pants right. are down and he's yeah. maybe smoking a cigarette and he's in a bad mood it's crazy that that he once had enough power that that he did this I, I you ask if I'd heard him sing before I feel like that that he fancied himself a blues guitar player yeah. and a bluesman where he did a blues record Right. And he says out loud to people, like, I have a list of that was compiled by the good people over advice of some batshit crazy stuff that he's done. And so as the song goes on, I'll, I'll give you like two or three of them. And the one craziest. of them is, that, yeah, but one of them is that like, he's a legitimate bluesman and he believes <laughs> it like for real. And, and he'll tell people who are that he is too. Yeah. He, and by the way, that makes, that makes infinitely more sense than this does. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's in All the right. language that he fucking sure. speaks. I mean, you know. What, <laughs> and like, I mean, what, and, and what, fucking like, even Neil Young, or even Neil Diamond would go, I'm not going to, I never would say, I want to get you naked, let alone, you know, in reggae strut, even though he applies it, he just wants to go out and have a nice night with this gal. Yeah. But Steve's first line is, me want the punani. <laughs> you know, he's trying to be sexy, I think. And, you know, and yeah. dance hall is more of a... Uh, street kind of you know where, right. where Neil's no time presentation was you know fun and you know and, uh, <laughs> islandy you know this isn't you know but he's not from an island he's from long island maybe i know it's just or like staten island <laughs> steve it's it's seagal not senegal <laughs> <laughs> hey damon <laughs> the tone of his voice to me sounds like his wife just walked in on him doing something and he's trying to explain what's going. No, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. You know, like <laughs> nothing, nothing, no, nothing, nothing. He's wearing like he's pulled his boxers like up into his butt cheek, and he's he's turned around looking at the mirror. His ass. <laughs> and his wife walks in. Honey, have you seen the? Oh my god! It's one of those old expensive mirrors, like that you had in an old, like an old house. It's yeah. gold. It has gold on the outside. And yeah, kind oh of squatting over it. It's my grandmother's mirror. I can't believe you're doing this mirror. <laughs> not again, Steve. No, honey, it's not what you think it is. tilting it so he can see his butthole. And, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went out to the backgammon meeting for fucking two hours. <laughs> I went to book club, and this is what I come home to. The <laughs> Panani. So anyway, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Panani! <laughs> it's an Indian dish. The... Uh, when the first the first proper verse is when the girls start to strut, you can look at their butt. You shouldn't do that. The clothes are just as pretty, not just there to cover her kitty. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> wow, what a fucking twat face. Uh, let's listen to it a little bit more, and then I'm just going to start peppering you some other stuff because I, I can't. It's only like seven minutes long or something, and it is kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> I, I meant to say it's seven. It's not really that. It's like three minutes long. Yeah, okay. but. Uh, it's funny in the middle of the song from time to time she goes say my name steve <laughs> she starts barking out steve which is kind of funny but not worth listening to so let's lay a little bit more and then i'll i'll just pepper you with sure. some other facts sure. all right <laughs> when the girls start to strut you can look at their but you shouldn't do that the girl dress is just as pretty, not just to cover her kitty. He sort of got the melody stylings of the piano player in uh, Feelings. <laughs> what? You're right. There's no reason for him to do an accent here. No. I mean, she's <laughs> doing the authentic, because I assume Saw is a, that, yeah. a dance hall artist. And yeah. 
she speaks that way anyway. There's, he could just do, do it normally, and he would it'd be fine. She's doing the dance hall part. Yeah, check me on this, but doesn't Steven Seagal have kind of a distinctive voice that would probably make more sense if he's selling Steven Seagal? Mm-hmm. You know? I think he has a very put-on kind of, like a Bruce, your Bruce Willis thing is, I think, spot on. Because I don't think that Bruce Willis's voice, like when he's being funny, is sort of high-ish like anybody, you know, yeah. but like, but he also, because Buzz this on. Yeah. yeah, and that's where Steve lives in a prof- in his professional voice because he's trying to be kick ass. But do that. I yeah, mean, exactly. Even if it's not your real voice. It's what people know you for. Don't right. do an island accent. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't care what other voice he uses. Don't do the island accent. <laughs> yeah, nobody it's, believes you're no from the island. To do that, it's just. Yeah. When me and bring it up, you better not be back it up. When me and dash it up, make sure you black it up. If you ever flap it up, she's just barking at him. I, 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 I was imagining because when she says Steve, it starts getting me. I start reminding myself of the O'Sherry video where the, his manager's going, Steve, Steve, where are you going, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> right, put a crown on him and all that. Yeah, I want to link those two together. So every time she says Steve, and he's going, Steve, <laughs> <laughs> a mashup between Lady Saw and that dude. Yeah. I'd also weave in Jack Stefan. <laughs> Stephanie. And someone just yelling Chris. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> so let's let's do a few things. For people who don't really know about Seagal, there's a few things that you should know. And this was compiled by uh, a, a writer, Jamie Lee Tate, T-A-E-T-E, in a Vice article from a handful of years ago. There's a couple of things that you should probably know yourself about him. So bottom line about Steve is that he was this Aikido trainer, as is the martial art, which is essentially like, I don't want to diminish it because I can't do shit. But like the, the vibe is like you let people come to you and you use their momentum and drop them and you can flip them. The whole thing, I think Aikido is about taking people's swords away. Seriously, like that's what it's all about. So if right. you don't have a sword, you're getting attacked by a dude with a sword. The whole thing is about using somebody's momentum to take their sword from them and, you know, ostensibly, you know, use it on them. Um, the keto means yoink in Japanese. Yoink! <laughs> <laughs> take it from him. So like, so he comes up that way. And then I think Mike Ovitz yeah, says you should be a star and puts him in action movies. And so he makes a bunch of them. And, uh, you know, some of them are shitty and some of them are okay. Most of them are garbage and they certainly are garbage later. Uh, so I'm not even going to get into the fact uh, that apparently he's just a garbage person has been wicked to uh, a lot of women had said that he was awful to them. So he deserves to burn in hell for that full Jelly stop. Lebrock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then like assistance and shit like that. But like, yeah. that's alleged. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be fucking, I don't want to get hollered at by fucking Stephen Zagal of all people. Yeah. But uh, a lot of stories about that. Um, and then there was a TV show that he did called Steven Seagal Lawman, where yes, he pretended right. to be a policeman. Yes. And he was involved in a raid on a person's house that resulted in the death of a puppy and 115 chickens because he drove a fucking tank through the guy's door because they <laughs> thought that he was involved in cockfighting. It was in Louisiana, right? He was deputized like in Louisiana. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he, he, was, he, he told everybody who would listen that he helped train CIA operatives and did special favors for them. His ex-wife said, no, not at all. He was never in the CIA, and he didn't train them either. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a shit ton of them, but like, let's listen to this, some more of this garbage, and I'll hit you with a few more, and then we can bail away from this awful okay. person. People are like, you know, as his wife, you don't have to testify, but I want to. I want to. I'm yeah. begging you to let me speak some more about him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
then me a go lock it up, park it up like Benji who drop. So oh, she just said her own name. Yeah, right? so the one the body if you make me feel nice. Why? Tell me where you really want all night. You want the pananas if I make me nice. So it's the punani. Yeah, you can't get enough, it's like a, dude. It's like a fucking Ted Nugent, you know, sweet poontang thing. Everything's poontang. Everything, every punani's in every verse. I don't get why this is sort of like a Roger Waters thing. Like, why does he feel obligated to sing up in her range? Correct. That's another thing. Or that's in upsetting. her style. Yeah, right. She sounds good up there. That's where she's supposed to be singing. He yeah. could have figured out something below her, right? Yeah, he's he's culturally appropriating her, and he's musically appropriating her. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's a dance hall artist. He's not. <laughs> yeah, he's not even an artist. No, right. It's... <laughs> yeah, he's doing colonialism on her key. <laughs> Stir. <laughs> Empire thought, and he's out there just doing it. He claims that he speaks four languages fluently, and the and the writer said, "I'm unable to find any evidence of him speaking anything other than English, made entirely of lies." <laughs> uh, uh, let's play a couple more, a couple more hot fire verses from Lady Saw and Steven Seagal. This is not sexy or hard ass or anything. It's just stupid. It's like trying to be. I guess it is trying to be funny. He keeps saying Punani and stuff. I guess he thought that was going to be cool or something. It's just, he's bad at it. And Did if he you write this or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, well, yes, in big quotes, I think. But like, if you were, <laughs> if you were in the middle of a dance hall fiesta, throwing yourself around, and this is like in the middle of that night, somebody throws that on. First of all, they fucking wouldn't. No self-respecting dance hall DJ, no. even if you were Saw's no. uncle or sister or boyfriend or girlfriend, you're not going to have this record in your collection because your fucking house would be burned down and, and fucking <laughs> on the Bimini Coast. They don't want to fucking know about that. They said they'll profile your ass if you fucking own this record. I mean, dancehall's not really my jam, but like, you know, I, I can see how it's fun if you're in the vibe, it's, but you wouldn't spin this. Yeah, so I know next to nothing about dancehall, but I know enough about it to know that he's not good at it. <laughs> But I could say that about anything he comes into contact with. <laughs> That's right. Driving a tank. Just about, yeah. Taking my sword away. Yeah, I still yeah. have my sword, by the way. <laughs> this is two more seconds of it, and then I want him out of our life. <laughs> this is, Yeah, it's a three-minute, seven-second song. We're, we've got about one minute in. <laughs> yeah, that's it's inappropriate to our life to go any further, yeah. really, than just a little bit more. You're not going to pull a George and say that something really interesting happens at the end? <laughs> there isn't at all. There's not anything interesting that's happened at all, except for, like, he said Punani a bunch, and I get to talk it's to It's the last word it. in the song, Punani. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> Punani! He just stops and he says that. Thank you. Yeah, he breaks into, like, a at the end, it breaks down to a, a black water. Oh, black water. Oh, Punani. Yeah, these different harmonies and stuff. It is fucking good. <laughs> Break it down, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> What's he doing? It looks like he's bending over looking for a contact lens. It's in the carpet. Ooh, I think I put it down here. <laughs> <laughs> He thought he was very funny there. He said, make I can come? make you come. Then he waits to the ocean. Ah, how's your whole family? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> See, that's funny. George gets it. That's I'm sure that's, that's been okay. used 500 times, yeah. but that's also, isn't that from your sorbet, Aaron? English beat? Just hold my hand while I come yep. to a decision uh, on it. Decades before it. Yes. It is amazing to me that he, he I think when you are real good at martial arts like he was, or I guess is, and by the way, I, I all like not all those movies, but a certain amount of those movies from the late '80s to the early '90s. I saw them, thought they were good or you know, funny or cheesy in the way that you like karate movies. Right. Like I, right. I watched Mar- I, I saw Above the Law, Out for Justice, Under Siege. I saw all those, mm-hmm. and thought, and I thought it was kind, like I said, funny. And so I'm not against him. But then, did you feel a strange draw to show him Apunani? <laughs> I mean, you didn't have one, but no, you I could go not. find him I, I, one. I, this is just, I can't believe that you would, that he would want to do this. And how did he become interested in it? And, <laughs> but I think when you, when you're a martial artist and you're real good at it, like he is, that you think you can do anything. It's mind over matter and you can focus and you can do anything. And it doesn't I think that he also thought is. about that, about gravy, that yeah. he was like in a gravy stupor and said, I can do dance all. Oh, so he was, he, was he big by then? Was he real fat by yeah. then? Oh, oh, yeah. And sad and everything? Yeah, because yeah, that was... Yeah. yeah. Cause, but he's he a great big fat it. person. And I don't like talking about people's weight fucking at all, but he's such a fucking punk that, like, A-OK with me. Talk some shit yeah. about that guy. Well, you're known for being a, an athlete, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a fucking punk of the highest degree. Didn't he get into, like, kimonos, too? Yeah, because it's it's a, you know... For, yeah. for, but for practical reasons, not because he was like down with the Japanese culture to any serious degree. He was just a great big man. Yeah. So, you know. In fact, I think he just, he outgrew the Komodos and went straight to Moomoo's. <laughs> <laughs> now he just stands behind bushes. Bushes <laughs> 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 and yells Punani. <laughs> we hear you, Steve. Thank you. Oh, Thank no. you, Steve. <laughs> I, I just realized that years ago when I had, when I had, you know, uh, long hair and I wore it back in a ponytail and it was, it was long and slicked back. I was on the back of a golf cart at, on the NBC lot. Shit, couldn't have been a TV meeting because I still have long hair. But anyway, I'm on the back of this golf cart and the tourists go by in the tour tram thing. Mm-hmm. And, and two, and two Midwestern girls are on the back, like looking, sitting backwards and looking at us. And of course, one of them goes, I see whispers like loudly, like Homer Simpson. and goes, I think that's Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> the other girl goes, no, it's not. He's too short. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just said, yeah, but Pumame. <laughs> Does that sweeten the deal? The dance hall checks out. He must be per- persuasive, though, if he can tell people like, "Hey, I want to, I want to do a dance hall record." No one tells him no, and he goes, "Hey, you guys should deputize me. Let me kick in doors and drive tanks." Okay, Oh wait, that was Steven Seagal. He asked me if I was going to finish my fries. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wish, I wish we could. Get him set up in a hot pepper challenge and just watch what happens to him. <laughs> I love that, that image. Show. Of There's him. an interview yeah. show like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. You guys know that? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he would love to do it, except yeah. He, yeah, he probably couldn't handle it. He'd start crying or something. I think he would start punching the peppers. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'd rub his probably. eyes with his, his fists <laughs> and cry even more. <laughs> Fucking yuts. All right. We got 113 into it. Do you think we should carry on? No, 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 no. no. George gets it. If he fucking, yeah, I, do it too. I, I hope he fucking hates it. It's do, a disgusting do, do fucking song. Do you think song. the listeners want to hear more? I, I don't know, know they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, credit where it's due. Um, 
Josh Pickering knows how much you hate reggae or confused by reggae or afraid of it. Yes. And so he came across this song. I think somebody told him about it. I don't think Josh just has it or knows it. It's not on one of his (laughs) mixtapes. No. And he sent it to me. He goes, "Uh, you may want to review this. (laughs) And I listened to it. I was like, oh my God, perfect for George. He goes, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and by the way, this this is so fucking terrible. Um, reggae, the least of my concerns. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's so disturbing and so many. I didn't get to the reggae part. <laughs> oh boy. Well, there you have it. All right, so we're done with that okay. one. I can click out of this, please. Yeah, please and don't do. leave it on your computer, please. Damon. For the yeah, love of Christ, I know that would be the wife walking in, and and I'd be having that voice. Oh no, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> You're just bouncing around. We're doing hot peppers jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I guess it's my turn to torture. A. Eh? Yeah. Well, as seems to happen more than is uh, coincidence. I mean, it's almost like we're always on the same vibe. I'm going to read you. It's, it's not from a department this week, but I'm going to read you uh, what I wrote about this. And you guys are going to go, oh, yeah, that lines up. <laughs> I know you, the Gitmo Bros, have often asked yourselves, what would it sound like if Neil Diamond's reggae strut was crossbred with Billy Crystal's You Look Marvelous? (laughs) (laughs) My stomach hurts when you see What are the chances of this? (laughs) I know, I know. What sort of unholy abomination against God and nature would be wrought upon humanity? Well, lads, you're about to find out. (laughs) From 1977, I'm going to send you lyrics, but after we kind of determine who this is. Because uh, okay. I, th- I think the uh, the chorus is going to give it away. But here we go. <sighs> yes, friends. There are times in life when you reach a point of conflict with one of your fellow human beings. When this does happen, is yelling and screaming the answer? No. Is foul language or physical violence the answer? Is anyone even close to thinking no. what this is? No, no, okay. no. It sounds like somebody from Godspell or something. Like, <laughs> is it Gopher from Love Boat? I don't know. <laughs> Fred Grandy. I'm yeah. just throwing things out. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, here we go. There is a new answer. So the next time one of your brothers or sisters is mean to you, I want you to take my advice. Let your arms dangle loose at your sides. Take a deep breath. Smile and say... Oh no! <laughs> Is it Robert Hedges? Well, it's you're on the right TV show. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the, one of the confusing things. Is I'm that's always been like a, a sweat hog line, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, one of the sweat. It's specifically uh, Barbarino, right? That was his. Line. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But who's the only one left? If it's not a sweat hog, Horshack. Horshack. No, no. If it's not a sweat hog. Oh. oh. Uh, Mr. Woodman. <laughs> Who's Cotter? Gabe Kaplan. Yeah. <laughs> this is Gabe Kaplan? Yeah. He did the Up Your Nose with the Rubber Hose song. Yeah. Someone told him this was a good idea. Gabe yeah. Kaplan. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to make a record, Gabe? I was, you mean like a comedy record? Stand up? <laughs> no. Kinda. <laughs> Can I work Punani into it? <laughs> yeah, that, what's funny is, I had that same thought, you know, I found this. I'm like, wasn't that a Barbarino line? Like that was his big, like the audience would just start screaming and applauding when he would say it. <laughs> but uh, this is based on Gabe's stand up. <laughs> I don't know why this information is in my head, but I think this is correct that 
they used they, the the original line from his childhood or whatever from growing up for Kaplan was, I think, in your hole with a mellow roll. Yeah, it's up your hole was a up your hole with a mellow mellow roll. roll. And by the What's way, I didn't look roll? up what a mellow roll was. Some kind of Coney Island thing or something. It's one of those. Um, do you know those bomb pops that we used to sure. get when we were kids? Yeah, yeah. George and I know exactly what you mean. Yes. We wrote a yes. song called Bomb Pop. If we did. <laughs> well, Gen Z wasn't like us because we had Bomb Pop. We, we had were Bomb a, Pop. We weren't afraid to say bomb. We had to fight off three pedophiles to get a Bomb Pop, and that's how things were. <laughs> we didn't have to go into a safe space because someone said bomb near us. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like it's like a Bomb Pop, but it's kind of colorful. I guess it's an ice cream treat. But yeah. the, So the original line was up your hole with a mellow roll from his stand-up. Right. It was mostly about him as one of the kind of sweat hog age right. kids and i'll tell you a little bit more about that but basically the whole welcome back cotter concept came from this 15 minute comedy segment that i was only able to get through about six minutes of <laughs> <laughs> would you say that george white was the west coast goyim gabe kaplan <laughs> just in so, vibe just over just his vibe george's young vibe a young george ways. white yeah. No, I would say that Gabe Kaplan was the East Coast George B. White. <laughs> That's fair. I got my answer. Got my answer. I yeah. get it. What does he say when it happens? What like what does he kick into? He's like, well, no, your friends are mean. So you're saying like this is it's the talk shit line, right? So he says, up your nose with a rubber hose. Well, it's he's talking about instead of getting in fights with people or physical or yelling at people. There's a big lead up to the chorus, which is. Step back, let your arms dangle at your sides. That's one of his hilarious lines in this. And he says it like three or four times. And then let loose with your up your nose with a rubber hose. Then he gets into these kind of hypothetical scenarios of how you can use this. So each verse is kind of like different. And then at one point, well, he goes into an impression later and I'll, we'll get to it. It's funny in the same way that Robert Klein is funny, which is not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Did, Did someone come up to Gabe and go, hey, Steve Martin is doing great with King Tut. Let's <laughs> imagine we get you on the biggest thing on TV, and it's only because of you. They're not tuning in to see Vinny Bob. Tell you know? something, Gabe. <laughs> I was trying to give it a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Like this, it feels like it's a kid song. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's like playground kind of humor and and talking smack back and forth. But it, I don't know. I just don't think grown men should be doing this. You could always say no, Gabe. You could have just said nah. I'm good. I'm making a beautiful dollar on TV, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I got a top five show or what? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Here we go. And I sent you guys the lyrics if you want to follow along. Yeah, yeah. Twice as far. Twice as far. With chocolate With a chocolate ball. Let me ask you something about the tone that he's putting on there in his voice. Is he get ghettoing it up a Supposed little bit black? there for us? Yeah, what's that? Uh, yeah, I was trying to figure it out because the reason why it reminded me of, of Neil Diamond was because he has that a patois going on. Right. But it's it, to me, it's a combination of like his... I'm assuming he grew up like in, in the Bronx or something. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of that, that shit talking What gives you voice. that impression, Damon? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was from Ames, Iowa. Back to the Ames, if I may. <laughs> Um, and so it's that kind of neighborhood shit talking voice right. that you would have, but then it's combined with evangelical preacher. Like he's, you know, because the whole beginning is this kind of gospel piano thing. So, uh, I, I just, it feel like it's a weird, like he's just bad at it, I guess is my point. It just, it just annoyed me. Cause I thought, well, it's not, he's not good at that. He's, it's not funny. What's, what's the fucking point of this song? 
You know, I feel like it was that was considered funny back then, though. Yeah, use that accent like that, right? Yeah, you know, this is the equivalent of Donnie Mose doing a sit on it song, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when he's just going through a list of shit that he's trying to tell you on the streets, is like I liked Eddie Murphy doing this and fucking put a boogie in your butt. Yeah, <laughs> put a tree right, yeah, in your butt. Right, put me yeah. in your butt. <laughs> All right. If you don't like that. Say your brother-in-law comes over and he tells you that he's convinced your wife to mortgage your house and put all your money into styrofoam lawn ornaments. Now I know it's this is not funny. It's just him reading a stand-up. This has got to be the stand-up. Yeah. God, it's so weird. I loved Happy Days. Even though we didn't have a TV, I thought about Happy Days a lot. <laughs> and the Fonz was the fucking best, and I still believe that. Fucking like in a very non-ironic way. It was written stupid, but something about the Fonz is legit and awesome. And also Henry Winkler is, is Christ on Earth. I believe that. But it feels like this guy is under the same impression about himself. That he's Fonz level. Yeah, yeah, for real. Right. If anything, Barbarino should have done this. John Travolta doing a record makes sense. Yeah. If, if he from did a do records. He sang yeah. everything. He, just didn't do, he was not a comedian, though. This is, this is supposed to be funny. This is supposed... This is a... Comedic record. Wasn't he a comedian? Well, that's where the Billy Crystal angle right. comes in, right? Really sounds like Billy, too, doesn't it? Especially the more into the accent he gets, it really could easily be Oh, his Billy. jazz man thing, right? Or his yeah. blues man? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he did View uh, Howard Cosell in Muhammad Ali, maybe, or mm-hmm. something? Yeah. yeah. Please tell me when Gabe uh, recorded this, he was wearing blackface. Again, <laughs> this is going to be on the radio. Yeah, we don't need you to. <laughs> don't need you to do that. <laughs> the people aren't going to know, brother. Yes, but I'll know, brother. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> Jive turkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. I know what you like to say to your wife. I know what you like to do to your brother-in-law, but that's not what I want. You. Okay, so that's the thing that was kind of throwing me. Little kids don't have brother-in-laws, so he was talking to adults when he did the song. You know what I mean? I, I could see if it was a comedy record for kids, you could kind of go, oh, yeah, it's, it's just funny ways to to uh, talk smack back and forth. But he's talking about people with brother-in-laws and lawn ornaments. It's just, he, I guess it was meant for adults. I don't know. Yeah, and in Bed-Stuy, not a lot of people with lawns. You know? yeah. They don't even know what you're talking about. Brother-in-law, lawns, what? Remember, he used to start the show with, the, uh, uh, he'd do a family joke. Hey, Julie. My uncle Milt had a dry cleaner, and he taught he says things like this. Yeah, he started right. every show with a joke about his family. Right, right. <laughs> this is the kind of humor he did. This is humor. This is what humor was like back then. Yeah, it was right. easy in the seventies. In fact, now I'm having a, now I'm having a flash memory of, and I must have heard this song because I remember walking around and and figuring out my own rhymes. You know, up your ass with a piece of grass, or you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> Already a writer, George. Twice as hard with a chocolate bar and all. I remember doing all this now. This is all coming back to me. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's not what I want you to do. Let your arms hang loose to your side. Take a deep breath. Smile. Say. David, are you saying that was a uh, that was a his catchphrase is put your arms at your sides? He says it every before every chorus where it goes into it's his pre-chorus. Yeah, it's his pre-chorus. In this song, it's his pre-chorus. <laughs> so that you'll be free to 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 yell freely like uh, like an est uh, meeting or something. You're like let loose with your insults. Let your yeah. arms hang your sides. Right, get into right. a brother. 
You yeah, know? <laughs> like a primal scream some or something. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Gabe. Uh, this is the engineer. Hey, Gabe. Yeah, Jimmy here in the uh, in the room. Uh, we're the second verse going good. A lot of words. Uh, so make sure you got enough water in there, Gabe. <laughs> Are we going to do all these verses and, and, and are we going to do them like this? Are you just doing a thing right now to get loose? I'm not sure what this, uh, what this whole thing you're doing is vocally. Yeah. Like when the vocal coach told you when you're, when you're singing on a microphone to dangle your arms by your sides, she didn't mean to repeat it into the microphone. Um, or pop on a, a fucking awful black accent. You just shouldn't be doing that. Right. All right, uh, listen to this chorus for a second, and then uh, let me show something else to you guys. Raymond, I believe there's one in the garden. Now, George said, now this is coming back to me. I feel like I've heard this song before. Let me just play you something that I, I realized when I was listening to this. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Yeah. Oh. I think that's why I was responding to the groove because it's it's dealing in that space. The Isley Brothers should have got the same attorney that the Portois. Mm. <laughs> You're right, exactly for the feelings yeah. song because uh-huh. it's that's the same melody. Is it's, it's your thing, rip. isn't yeah, it? It's a rip. Yeah. I'm not sure this is an international hit though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, maybe slice off some of those those TV residuals. I don't know. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gonna have a point in the Cotter syndication. <laughs> in the Cotterverse, I, I think that he probably reflects. He probably reflects back and says, "You know, I think that maybe I was mixed too low. The gals are really loud in the mix, and here I am doing a list material, yeah, just yeah. my best a, stuff, just ripping material like it's from the act." A is just getting based lost. on this material. I'm getting drowned out. Like you're hearing the origin of everything that is a success. You can't hear me. I'm doing the heavy lifting over here. I'm being trampled by these sassy ladies. <laughs> hey, speaking of um, speaking of the Cotterverse, are you guys going to CotterCon later? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got the two dayer. I've got the two dayer. Got the meet and greet with Ron Polillo. You know, <laughs> Freddie Boom Boom's going to take us through a walk through the set. You got fifteen hundred on my credit card, and I'm I'm making a bid for the the, the dinner with with Robert Hedges. I'm making a bid this year. I'm going to get it this year. Ron <laughs> <laughs> That's my check-in. I'm going to use that as a check-in name in a hotel. <laughs> Ron Polillo. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> certainly watched a lot of that show. I know everything about it. Jesus. Uh, While we're on yeah. this this topic, I thought I'd throw in a little Welcome Back, Cotter trivia. Sure. Of the original cast of seven, and that would be the four sweat hogs, uh, uh, Gabe and his wife, Julie, and then Mr. Woodman. Right. How many of the original casts are still of this mortal coil? Johnny T and Gabe. I think Polillo's alive. And I, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs is dead. I know that, right? I'm waiting for you guys to finish guessing. That's Freddie Boom Boom Washington? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say uh, of the seven, um, three are alive. Okay. You know, before we get to the sweet answer, I just t- I take it back. It's going to be Ron Palillo at like Hilton's and stuff. But when I'm in the Radisson, it's going to be Freddie Boom Boom Washington. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. George is right about the number, but I think you have the, the uh, characters wrong. Okay. Gabe is still around. Right. Uh, obviously, Vinny, John Travolta is still right. around. And Freddie Boom Boom Washington is still with us. Really? Yeah! I did yeah. not know that. Julie, Mr. Woodman, Juan Epstein, and Arnold Horshack have all departed. Those were all sad days. Yeah, sorry to bring down the show. <laughs> Love Epstein's mother. 
Love that. <laughs> Epstein's got a note. Juan couldn't come to school. He was sick. Love Epstein's mother. Right, <laughs> she didn't know. He didn't know how to write her name, wasn't it? I, <laughs> I, I'm guessing that this is this is from some of Gabe's material, Aaron, that you're doing right here. Yeah, <laughs> it was on the show. That's the only thing I remember from the show is that the notes were yeah. written. He didn't know how to sign. Well, he was name. obviously writing them himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Another thing uh, from the show I thought I would point out, the name Arnold Horshack is from the original stand-up he was doing with a mellow role and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, Arnold Horshack had a, had a very pronounced and uh, enunciated by Gabe Kaplan speech impediment. Which would not would not fly today, but <laughs> no. the audience, the 1975 audience, really got a kick out of it. Ugh, <laughs> it was like a uh, you know like a hair lip kind of thing, you know. Right. Yeah. They were just given careers away. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> right. that they, people also didn't work for them and hone their craft and weren't beautiful artists. I'm yeah. not saying that, but also. What was happening with people just giving shit away? Right. There are only three channels, only three things on at one time. So just think of that. I'm looking one at of you, the three, Three's yeah. Company. <laughs> and each half hour is a shit ton of other people who they're just giving. So they, somebody was like walking down Reseda. You're walking through Panorama <laughs> City. Hey, you got to get a show. <laughs> now, uh, more of the Gitmo stars aligning. Someone mentioned Howard Cosell before. Tell me what you think of Gabe's third verse yeah, which I'm is looking forward to this yeah here we go <laughs> coming out of this chorus yeah why don't you look in the fridge anyone could do Howard Cosell yeah everyone did it everyone did this it's like doing John Wayne or something yeah right (laughs) and it's never funny yeah (laughs) it's not funny at all the only time it was funny was with like Woody Allen figured it out by putting Howard Cosell in (laughs) bananas you just put him in that's funny like it's odd that Howard would be in the movie that's funny when Woody in the in the scene had married uh Louise Lasser and then yeah. so he had Howard in the Howard Cosell in the like post coital wrap yes. up in the bed with him, asking him how it went. Right. That's and, lovely. And then when he he's there during the assassination, right. I, I, I want to go over here to El Presidente. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving this mortal coil. Oh God. All right. Well, I mean, after this, it just carries on with uh, just more of him. His big shtick was, you know, the girls would say up your nose with a rubber hose and then he would throw in lines. Yeah, I see that here. And it's what bugs Aaron the most because it's all this is another very Billy Crystal thing. It's utterly and completely topical things. Right. You know, that ages, you know, within a month, no one cares about any of it. And so there's just him riffing on on sort of like cultural news items and stuff. He's really Uh giving it to Spiro Agnew. I don't know, yeah. guys. I think uh, I think in your eye with the pizza pie is just timeless. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's still funny to say sit on it to somebody. Like in the same way, where, like I find saying sit on it very funny. And I also find saying like, look, that's baloney. <laughs> I don't like something. That's baloney. <laughs> I like doing that. But uh, I would never, I would never, I would never tell him this. I would never do this bit like that he's doing it. And he's doing it forever. And it, am I wrong? Can somebody check me on this? Is it like, is the audio odd on him? 
Or is it just that I'm 1,500 miles away, meaning that he's rambling. He sounds like he's trapped in like a luggage rack or something. And, but, <laughs> and, and, and the it, girls it are weird. right in front. It's like not in time with the music either. He's just talking. It's like they mix two tracks at a different time or something. And it's <laughs> right. him just talking. Right. I think like the Michael Caine footage that we have is like more professionally recorded. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I think the, the band is really good and the girls are good, but... I think they wanted to downplay him a little bit, which is weird because like the whole point of the song is it's supposed to be quote funny. Yeah, so you yeah. think that you'd want to have, at least with Billy Crystal, you could tell what he was saying. Right. 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 I mean, it, cause it sounds like it's a record of the girls and they're, and they were recorded next to a babbling brook <laughs> and he is the, he is the brook. You can even, if you didn't have these lyrics, you wouldn't know what he was saying. Right. Yeah. Hear it. Yeah. It's like they brought in Joe Spence. <laughs> <laughs> To do his to, to do his riffery <laughs> after a few uh, rums. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's riffing on. Uh, this is the the shit that that always made me nuts. Is is uh and this goes back. Do you guys remember when uh, Maury Povich and uh, Jerry Springer and all those shows? Like I can't even think of them now. Jenny yeah. Jones or something. Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah, Sally Jesse Raphael. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And. Yeah nighttime like kind of like tonight show comedians got a hold of it and said um tonight on sally jesse Raphael, my midget lesbian mother-in-law wants to hear from my plumber's nephew about my dog's caterer uh, and it yes. was like yeah it, it, it is uh, never funny to do that stuff you know hacky as fuck it was like hacky immediately immediately yeah and so gabe kind of does a little bit of that here when he he says that uh I guess all the things at the end when he's riffing is, is supposed to be him telling up your nose to all these different things, these cultural things that are going on. And the one that really annoyed me was skateboarders with CB radios, meaning he was putting two 70s things together. Yeah, right oh, so that's like the guy from the Mr. Microphone commercial. Singing in the rain. It's just like fucking the end of You Look Marvelous. Yeah, for sure. Rita Hayworth. You know, yeah, uh, MGM <laughs> studio execs. <laughs> now, here, here's the shittiest one. People who talk to plants. Plants who talk to people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. clever. No, but yeah. the kids love plant humor and brother-in-law humor. He missed pet rocks and quiche. <laughs> yeah, quiche. Exactly. Quiche laughs. And everything else here. Yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. You heard Howard. You kind of know where this is going. If you've heard You Look Marvelous, you've heard this, okay? So, um, I'm not going to pull a George on you and tell you something spectacular happens at the end. It won't. So, I guess I can cut that off there, boys. I think Billy ripped it off. I think Billy, fucking for real, I think they just said, they said, oh, yeah, let's just put like a more more current beat behind it. Right. And we're going to do what Gabe did. And just add some blackface and we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. It's the same fucking from the same fucking cloth. What a dirtbag weirdo. And Gabe, because it sort of seems like a sweet person. I always felt proud when he would come correct in the Network Star stuff. He would beat people. Oh, yeah. Beat there, Robert there's Conway. that famous one. Yeah, that famous yeah. one. Yeah. That's right. rad. Good for Gabe. And he's not not lean and shaped out at all. And by the way, who who's commentating that very, very, very uh, Network Stars? Hoko, Mr. Right? Howard Cosell. Yeah, there you go. Worlds colliding. On beautiful ABC. The only other little little factoids I have is this song was co-written and produced by uh, someone named Greg Presto Pino, 
which is also what my friends call me at dinner parties because I make the wine disappear. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Good night, everybody. That's a good one. Is that is that from Gabe's act? <laughs> that's, I was going to say, that's how I thought for a minute it was. <laughs> also, the uh, Presto Pino, there's a trans joke in there, but I'm going to leave it alone. Bingo! Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Greg was oh nothing a professional songwriter who co-wrote break my stride with matthew rylder there you go yeah sure he didn't write a talking baseball because this is kind of similar (laughs) (laughs) superstar (laughs) (laughs) i want that shirt so bad it doesn't have his picture anything just superstar terry cashman that's all it says So yeah, that's there's just not a lot about that song. It's it from the album. I, I I didn't even find other songs from that album, but it was the whole album was called Up Your Nose. And uh, 1977, when uh, Welcome Back Cotter was hot, hot, hot. Yeah. So there you go, George. Oh, Thanks. Great. great. <laughs> to think about all of this now. <laughs> They're both horrible, horrible songs. They it really makes me feel bad. This little closet. So they feel all the walls closing in. <laughs> feel good um (laughs) um steven seagal is worse and the reason is that it's just so bizarre i mean gabe i'm gonna give him a little bit of a pass because this is what humor was then and (laughs) he was just trying to make a buck like he was someone they were the hottest show like you just said he was the hottest show in the world and and this is this was his material that he thought was good and people thought it was good like nobody thinks that steven seagal song is there's no way (laughs) right it's just such an odd thing. It has no, it doesn't fit anywhere. It's just, yeah, it's terrible. Aaron made the point in both segments. Like Gabe Kaplan is likable and Steven Seagal is not, you know, at all. Yeah. I try not to consider that. I just try to consider the song, but it's hard with Steven. To, yeah. <laughs> but I, that's just such a weird choice. Just to, so Steven Seagal is the winner. Aaron Britt is the winner. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this one goes to the A Dog. Here we go. The winner takes it Joink sword, joink sword. Sorry. Mellow roll in your hole. <laughs> Mellow roll in your hole. I'd love to. Like, I wonder if that'll come into my mind ever if I go like, oh yeah. <laughs> To somebody, and then I'm I'm fighting for a sweet rejoinder. <laughs> yeah, the jerk throws out of you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If that if that happens to pop up, that would be funny. In your hole with a mellow roll. <laughs> wait, what? Have someone has to look it up, like Damon did. Like, wait, what's a, yeah? What's a mellow roll? I think that pisses me off. <laughs> for the record, you guys, that line up your hole with a mellow roll in the original stand-up. The, the character of Arnold Horshack was a kid with a speech impediment that everyone would make fun of. And that was his line with his, you know, with his, you know, hair lip or whatever he had. Mr. Carter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Lillo, dude. Okay. Fuck, he's a genius. R.I.P. R.I.P. Wow. R.I.P. Yeah. Freddie Boom Boom's still around. Yes, he it. is. Yeah. Still going to use that name, though, because he's probably not using it. Not that name. He's probably using <laughs> yeah, his own the, name. The, the trademark expired. Yeah, no, it's, it's mine now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, did he play the bass? Why? Why was that? He's black. Boom, boom, boom. Why did he? Boom, boom. <laughs> I never. He. Ne- I never saw him playing the bass on the show ever. He just played the air bass. <laughs> Don't forget, these guys are like sixteen and seventeen, and, I, and I'm almost positive that the line from the show was, you know, I don't remember who it was asked him. 
Freddie, why do they call you Boom Boom? And he goes, it's because when I'm out on the playground, I'm always going a boom, 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 boom. Right, like, yeah. Yeah, with like what an upright bass. He's playing an upright bass he's on the playground? Fake, he's just playing fake bass yeah. on the playground. Yeah. Because he's black, he plays bass? I don't understand. But yeah. It's, it's Gabe's humor again. It's Gabe's fucking, I'm sure yeah. that was, I don't. You want to rethink your your uh, winner here, George? At this point, no, I don't. it's just, uh, it's just so, they're both so fucking irritating. <laughs> so awesome. All right, well there you go, a nice little torture session. But it's time for Majel to usher us into something a lot more pleasant and inviting. Yes, here she comes. Sorbet, sanitize. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since we heard that one. I know it is. It's a good one. I have an Excel spreadsheet for when I play those. <laughs> Sanitize. <laughs> Count for me. <laughs> All right. So George is now going to regale us with a sorbet. Yes. I, uh, I think you guys are going to like this, and I hope you are. Anyway, I, have, I had never heard this song, and it came on something on Sirius the other day, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is such a jam. I knew nothing about it. And, you know, for being on the, on the same page, in a good way, there's a Freddie Boom Boom Washington connection here, which again, you, won't be- you won't believe. But uh, wow. so just just play it. I'm interested to see if you guys know this song. So it's right. from 1974. Um, and that's all I'm going to tell you. And maybe we can guess who it is and talk about it a little bit. All right. Here we go. Oh, I fucking love Gladys Knight so much. Do you know this? That was Aaron. I I knew it as Gladys Knight. Uh, I don't know the name of the song though because I can typically pull her pull her voice out. Gosh, she's fucking funky. Yeah, yeah. I never heard this before. It's such a jam. So play a little more. What year, George? Seventy four. Okay. band yeah it's know, fucking right? crazy did they have like muscle shoals dudes or something like was did they have standard dudes that recorded for them no you, you, you'll get it you'll get it right away because i didn't think i didn't think of this but oh nothing curtis mayfield oh gee yeah that's oh. who this is curtis mayfield writing for gladys knight and the pips cool yeah well that makes sense and it's now as soon as you hear that you're like oh of course this is exactly what this sounds like mm-hmm. if curtis mayfield wrote a song for gladys knight and, the pips. and then george is it like his band or something that's the thing. I didn't. I didn't recognize much of these. Maybe you guys will, because you know more about it than than um, than I do. Um, it's a guy named Rich Rich Tufos. The arranger bass is Joseph Lucky Scott. Hmm. Curtis Mayfield and Phil Upchurch play guitars. Quentin Joseph on drums. Henry Gibson congas. I, and none of those people I know. I don't hmm. know. I guess those must be Curtis Mayfield's guys. And yeah. only two of them had a link where you could figure out, you know, see who they were and. Like Joseph Lucky Scott was a was a jazz guy, and the, the interesting thing about this song to me and the um, connection to Freddie Boom Boom Washington <laughs> is so this because because uh, Curtis Mayfield had done Superfly. Um, this is from a movie called Claudine that came out in 1974, which is Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones, and it's like a black romantic comedy. Like a I love those, comedy. George. Yeah, I, I actually went. My head. I spent a bunch of time last year just finding a bunch of those movies because they all have incredible music. 
Yeah, did you All see Claudine? Like was... fucking honey. I'd, I'm sure I did. I, I'm yeah. surprised they didn't get it. But like, I got like 30 records, and they were all from yeah, and, those movies, and they're all incredible. Yeah, and it's and there's a whole soundtrack to this. This is the this is the theme song, and like, and it really was the first of its kind of movie because usually they're doing black exploitation movies like the ones we know. Dude, I and, fucking have it. It's one of those I got. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's right here. And it's such That's a incredible. gem. I couldn't believe yeah. like, it, it. And and by the way, the funny so so Lawrence Hilton Jacobs plays the son because it, Claudine oh. is a Diane Carroll is a um, for what it seems like it's kind of like a forerunner. I guess it came out at the same time of like the Jeffersons or Good Times. It's like that kind of black middle class story where she you know she said she has like maybe I think it's five kids by three different guys and they've all left her and then. Here comes James Earl Jones, and he's a garbage man, but he's a good guy. And Lawrence Hilton Jacobs is the oldest boy and doesn't like him around his mom. And but it but it's funny too. It's like funny and dramatic, like the Jeffersons was or like uh, Good Times was, mm-hmm. and and that. So it's it, it was the first of its kind of that kind of uh, that kind of movie. But anyway, this is about the the song and the song. Um, just play a little more of it because it. I I was so surprised to hear it that I didn't know it. I'd be curious to know if this movie is based on the song Color Him Father. Do you guys remember that one? I remember that song. I don't. That song is about uh, a guy. It's a little bit corny, but it's also just great. The narrator is one of the kids of this mom who had, I don't know, six or seven kids. And then the dad died. And then this stepfather came in and raised the kids as if they were his own. Mm-hmm. And it sort of sounds like a similar story, doesn't it? Right. And that's why it's like color it. him father. Like I'll call him father because that's essentially what he is to me, right. you know? And um, so it did go to number two on the R&B charts. Number five on the pop charts was nominated for a Golden Globe. And it just seems it's odd. We never heard it. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't part of like, you know, something we know from that time. Cause we what know a great song stuff. to be saved. If a song could be saved, like Quentin Tarantino throwing it in a movie. Yeah. Um, it would be great. Like stuff like this is just so great and sounds so great when you couple it with visuals or, you know, street scenes and shit like that. It's like, why spend time re fucking getting fucking money, money, money again. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so many yeah. fucking dopey R and B songs that have just been fucked the fuck out yeah. when like there's this or fucking, uh, fucking Howard or fucking Tyrone or any of those people we play. Oh, right. Like, yeah. Fucking like that. Put yeah. Them fuckers Same wheelhouse. I forgot about that. The guy with the fuck kit. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, and by the way of course there's a, there's a great there's a couple great live versions of them doing this on YouTube of I think it's like 79 or 77 at the Greek and it's a full band with horns and Gladys the pips of course and the whole but the full band behind them and it's just fucking great it's just I always thought know. Gladys at this time was so cute yeah you're like god and it's real it's so real you're like there's no question whether any everyone right. is playing their instrument you know, you're like, wow, this yeah. is just absolutely real. You know, like, a motherfucker singer, yeah. and then she was super cute. Like, I remember yeah. when um, Destiny's Child yeah. showed up, and Kelly Rowland was in that band. I was like, God damn, that woman! She should do the Gladys Knight story. Yeah, she right. fucking yeah. looks yeah. just like, like her, her. and cute yeah. in the same way. Gladys is even cuter though. But like, it's yeah. crazy. God bless her, Aaron. If you're while you're sitting there, look up the uh, album cover for the soundtrack of Claudine, yeah. and because Gladys and the and the pips are on the front, yeah. and she's a yeah. doll. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I have. I, that's oh, okay. the thing that I have. Yeah, yeah. Or in the blue great. dress. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. In fact, you guys, I need about five minutes, please. <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, if you guys look it up, look up the movie poster for for Claudine because it's this whole family, and then the and then the tagline is a heart and soul comedy. Can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I wished that that was, you know, the staff who came up with that idea, but I know it was fucking Lou Wasserman. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, it was, it was someone in Mr. How about Wasserman's can staff. you dig it there at the, at the bottom <laughs> over there, down there, but larger, not in quotes, no. I heard Nipsey Russell say it. <laughs> Ergo. Ergo and ipso facto, it should be on this poster. <laughs> Get it done. Let's go to lunch, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A little more. Do you think that in situations like this, that the why wouldn't the pips? be doing it live with her like just separated right i mean do you think I'm the sure pips were they there were. yeah i'm sure they were <laughs> for like for separation and stuff you'd need it but like the performance that these guys are used to doing is performance like live yeah. you don't you would hate to take it away from them like maybe they don't step and stuff but like angus young was fucking thrashing around in studio so like you'd think that they'd want it to be that way like bring the pips in it's good yeah. for gladys probably I don't think it's a different day or anything. I feel like they're together, right, or not? I hope so. I like to believe yeah. that they were together. Yeah. I do, too. I feel like things were done that way then, you know. But Yeah, just I'm don't sure. wear, like, tap shoes or anything, but, you know. I think the pips were in the control room with a good Coke. Yeah, they probably were. <laughs> Getting ready for their take. I thought you were going to be in there with Gladys. She can see us in here. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> it's fine. Why do you guys keep bending down? <laughs> we're just looking at the board. These are great knobs. We don't know the lyrics. The lyrics, they're on the floor. We don't. <laughs> you sound good, Gail. Gladys. Bye. All right. <laughs> Bass work is fucking top notch. Oh, yeah. All of it. The, the percussion is incredible. The congas, all that shit, or whatever they would not a gear or what's he hitting there. It's incredible. I don't know that they. I don't think it got in vogue to do five string basses for that low low shit until yeah. later. So it always, but it always amazed me. Were they detuning? Because all that shit is just so fucking groovy and bass present. It's low as fuck. Yeah. So funky. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm a bit of an expert now. I think I can detect Ray Cooper in the background swinging his tambourine around. <laughs> Flailing it around. His truck's outside. His truck's outside. Just one of the pips is more, is more worthwhile in a studio setting than Ray Cooper in any setting. One of the pips. Just one. Yeah. Just one. Oh, oh, By the way, George, I don't know if you even said what the name of the song is. It's On and On. On and On, sorry. Yeah, On and yeah. On is the title of this song, yeah. Right. It's a lot funkier than uh, than the than the Bish. Yes. Was it the Bish? Bish. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard that song today, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this one, I forget, this is people are going to think, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listen to Gladys, and then Stephen Bishop comes on, and I go on and off. That's right. Nice. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bish. <laughs> you know we had a record called Bish, right? Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's what they call me, you know? <laughs> Shut up, asshole. I punch myself in the face for knowing that. <laughs> the next album was Life's a Bish. <laughs> and the one after that was called Gone Bishin'. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're the Get Mo Bros. <laughs> this is the one of him just about mountain climbing. It's called the Bish Alps. Nice. <laughs> That, that's our bish barrel. Good night. It's our bish chunk. <laughs>
<laughs> Jason missed that entire chunk. <laughs> Should have stayed for the on and on segment. Yep. <laughs> All right. You know, it, yes, I can hear the Curtis Mayfield, but I'm also detecting some Al Green. It has yeah, that feels kind like it, of yeah. vibe, um, yeah. for sure. I don't know if like she's doing a vibe or if it's a style. It's like a laid back groove, which is a very Al move. You know, it's not. There's not a ton of like fire in it. It's just stone cold. You know. Yeah. So that's that's an Al thing. Yeah. But you're right. It sounds like that. God damn, she's delivering the goods, man. I know, the growling. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Gabe Kaplan was going for a Al Green-Curtis Mayfield <laughs> combo, and he ended up with a Neil Diamond and Billy Crystal. <laughs> Got kind of a Neil-Billy thing going on. Yeah, he's kind of took a left turn at some point. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna. This is sacrilege, I know, but I, I prefer Gladys over Aretha. I'd rather listen to Gladys sing than Aretha. I had to say it. That's They're all right. both terrific. They're That's both right. terrific. They're both, of course, Aretha's great, but I just, you guys, yeah, describing the way she sings and everything, she's so fucking good. I love her voice. Yeah, I like it. that she could do a lot of things down in this space where this isn't really like Aretha could do everything, but Aretha's was often asked to, maybe by Wexler and them, to be big. You know, rather than, yeah. you know, like down in this space, it's a groovy space for a, a, a lady voice to be. Yeah. It has like a sexy thing and where Aretha was coming from a, uh, like a screaming to the Lord kind of thing. Yeah, yeah gospel. More of a, yeah. a religious gospel. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Both fantastic, but I, I hear what you're saying about Gladys. Gladys is in the streets, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Not in the pulpit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. She's mixing it up with the pips. She is. That's right, and she'll cut. She'll cut like three pips. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, totally. If she has to. She didn't want to. She'll cut a dude. Yeah. The other thing I I like that's going on here that sometimes the pips don't do is they're they're doing some killer harmonies, like actual harmonies, as opposed to just Mm -hmm. going. Or what, you know, yeah, right, yeah. Or just just yeah. answering her as if they're talking to her. And occasionally mm-hmm. you get because they're doing a, a like a back and forth here. Occasionally you'll get a pip, a lone pip, who'll do like one of the lines yeah. without the other three. Yeah, right. I can't believe I've never heard this before. This is great. I know. I couldn't either. I came on and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's a deep funk, man. It's a deep fucking groove. It's exactly Curtis Mayfield. If you, if you, it, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is exactly what this is. Yeah. It's Curtis Mayfield do, writing a song for Gladys Knight and the Pips. Does this song, <laughs> the the lyrics, because I know, George, you did some deep, you know, yeah. intensive research. Yeah. Um, does the song on and on have anything to do with the theme of the movie, or does it reference any of the plot points or anything? A li- well, a little bit. I mean, it's it's about it's about these two people falling in love, and a lot of these song and this song's about falling in love. But there's a lot of you know hugging and loving, kissing and having fun. All this. It's it's more of a. It's not a. 
it's a fun love kind of thing, or even a right. sexual love kind of thing, not just a ethereal falling in love. So it's it's more of like Aaron was saying, it's more of a street level, you know, like these lyrics here. So good, I feel because our because our love's for real, having tons of fun since our love's begun. It's all that. That's the kind of. But yeah, it's 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 not dirty though. So like no. it has the it it. But the groove is dirty. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah. the groove implies that they're talking about, you know, between the sheets. But but the lyrics are are like just having fun at the at the malt shop kind of love. Well, yeah. I like that. This is a comedy. I mean, they're, they're I mean, it says it says comedy and drama. But from the Mr. Wasserman's thing, I mean, it says it says it's a comedy. So this right. is they're more going for laughs and fun here than they are. And and the and the praise of the movie was that in the era of black exploitation, this was something more that was it was more real about middle class black people. That's why Lou wanted to make sure that you understood it. Hence, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Right? Yeah. Right. It was an honest question. It's an honest question. And yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lou. Thank you for asking. Thanks for including me. Yeah, you're right, Aaron. It's not dirty. This version's not dirty, but the original version had the line, up your hole with a mellow roll. And they just thought, <laughs> ah, family comedy, maybe not. Everyone in this cast, when we're shooting it up north of 110th Street. But you guys, with this, with that kind of sweet gag, you're coming from a different neighborhood entirely. Yeah, right. It's the Bronx. <laughs> They're probably Brooklyn, sorry. Yeah. And then Steven Seagal poked in with a Punani, anyone? Or <laughs> uh, By the way, Harlem, Sugar Hill is where this was shot. That's why I said up north 110th Street, baby! Oh, yeah. 142nd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Oh, With a crazy percussion going on there, there's the bongo guy, the conga guy, but like there's something else going on there. Maybe it is Ray Cooper. <laughs> it is. It's like uh, when uh, on in Stop Making Sense where they have Chris, but then... Homeboy next to him is just blasting the percussion. Yeah. And so much of that, the hooky percussion moves that you know from the f- soundtrack are him just going nuts while Chris just holds it down. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's like a wood block or something. That's what I was Crazy. thinking. Like someone's hitting the side of a, like a gear, like one of those uh, fish things. You go, shit, like that. What chicken? What chicken? Yeah. Right. Hey, we found a good use for Ray Cooper. We're hitting his bald head with sticks. I'm getting a great sound. Remember when he's playing his... Uh, he didn't need to bring his truck. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a great sound out of this guy's melon. <laughs> Mike is chromus domus. Listen to this. Put a mic right here. I'm getting a great sound. Open your mouth more, Ray. Like, oh, like you know... You know. <laughs> All right. There's Aaron's favorite Phil. Yeah, that's yeah. my guy. I wanted just to be my soundtrack while I just go about my day. Yeah, exactly. When you're strutting. Talk about strutting. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And have it like juxtaposed against doing things like like looking at things at a hardware store or, or like look, <laughs> looking at like, uh, uh, you know, foot wraps at the Walgreens or something. <laughs> something yeah. that's not, not interesting or, or sexy. Right. I'm not like catching a cab on like, you know, a gritty Manhattan street. No. I'm yeah. doing dumb things. Right. Picking up after your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find a parking space. <laughs> In suburbia. It's not like right. sexy parking space looking. Yeah. 
insisting to your wife that you set the Phillips head screwdriver down right here. Having a conversation with my wife about the, the oven clock and how, it, how it's best to set it after the power goes out and what you have to do and why you have to hold both buttons down. <laughs> By the way, it, and in the background, there's just there's just a, a mix of some of Gabe's material where he's using the, his urban voice. Sounds like there's a bit of a yammering Listen, in the Listen, sucker. <laughs> Hey, brother. (laughs) On and on. Hey, brother. (laughs) Somebody do that. (laughs) In your jeans with Mean Joe Green. (laughs) There you go. go. That's a good one. Yeah, I was thinking the one thing missing from this is a Howard Cosell impression. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what's missing from this. Entry of the string section. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that's like a, a mini Philadelphia sound, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not the full on lush Philadelphia sound. It's almost like the uh, progenitor do it or something. Mm hmm. I love Damn. it. It got everything. So let's keep on That fucking fill into this part. Incredible. Awesome. Yeah, Gabe Kaplan, that's what call and response should sound like. <laughs> that's right. God exactly. damn it. You know, feel that groove there. You know? yeah, yeah, not yelling Shit. out like skateboarders and CV radios. <laughs> Moron. God, man, they knowing that they were going to do this, they held on to it. The strings come in late, and then they do this move where they could have done this like a minute and a half ago. But they're like, no. They I would have introed the song with it. It's so good. You know da, what da, I mean? Da, 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 da. And then the, the breakdown of the uh, of the vocals, and then you kick right. into the song. But they yeah. held it back. Yeah. Which is Look, smart. Yeah, Curtis knows. Hmm? He does. Yeah, it sounds like rim shots, actually. It does, yeah. But it may be overdub, though. Joey's gonna tell me exactly what mm-hmm. I, you know, how my thoughts didn't line up with reality. <laughs> but I feel like someone overdubbed rim shots. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, snuck a djembe in there. Yep. Ooh, we gotta go. Keep on on on. They're just missing that. Yeah. is fucking insane. Is. I got to fucking yeah. get looser draws on now or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> looser draws. God damn it, man. Fucking Gladys. All yeah. right. Not fucking around. <laughs> yeah. Damn. You know, I think yeah. that's, wh- that's why I like Gladys more. She's like, she just oozes the... The sex and the fun. She like she goes. She she was right there. She was doing oh no, like she because yeah. she was she was doing her own fade out. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of like swallowing the, oh, no, like yeah. made it so much more guttural and gnarly. Fucking yeah. Christ. You know, you know, fellas, I think we're closing in like um, on a um, Get More Bros special package of a uh, special album of unappreciated soul classics. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. They had to come to three honkies to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so great, George. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was I was blown away by that song. I'm somewhat gratified that I'm not a dummy and went. And you guys went, oh, my God, this is the best song. You knew everything about it. Like, I yeah, thought you would know awesome. it. Like, Awesome, but, awesome. Yeah, it's quite a song. It's incredible. Gladys Knight and the Pip stuff I hear, I always like, but it's usually, you know, Midnight Train to Georgia, which is yeah. a beautiful yeah. song, and I never get sick of hearing it, but and then a couple other ones that you hear a lot. I need to go explore their back catalog, I think. this whole There's a whole album, there's a whole soundtrack to this. Is it her? Is it just them, or do they have, like, Curtis on there and stuff? It's Kurt, Curtis did the whole thing. No, but I mean, is it all no, songs it's, by they're, Gladys they're the, the, Yeah, it's okay. not like... Uh, 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 Saturday Night Fever. It looks like it's all her. Yeah, oh, it's okay. all her, her, her arrangements in, yeah. by him. Wow. Yeah. I'll start with Claudine soundtrack then. Yeah, which Aaron Prennett already has. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that I have yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, it was part of my my feverish uh, uh, purchases. I, I, I had one idea, one bright idea, and it was to scope all those ones from the mid seventies up. Coffee and you know all that right. shit. That Pam, yeah. if Pam Greer was in it, like I I just grabbed Pam Greer's. 70s uh imdb and then uh like rosie greer like any greers <laughs> and yeah. then i like, branched off of her and i think i got um uh, james earl jones in there too so i got his so like i just scooped it all up but it's a worthwhile thing if you're going to come across stuff like this but kudos to george and good job fucking satellite radio for showing it to you yeah it says the second something right. here is called make make yours a happy home and i've never heard that either it's the second single from this from this record coincidentally we here at Ear and Loathing always make yours a happy home. That's right. Uh. On and on. <laughs> on and on. Oh, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Bish. Way. Fuck you, bish. <laughs> Shut your bish mouth. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go, guys. Beautiful sorbet. Horrible tortures. But that's the name of the game when you sign up with the Gitmo bros. That's what you that's right. get. You know, no one forced you to be here. No. So... Uh, thank you for listening to our merry little podcast. Uh, we are the Gitmo Bros signing off. We are the number one rockers forever. <laughs> and that's it for episode, what is this, 59? Jeez, can you guys believe it? Christ! The last <laughs> of the 50s. Yeah. That's right. Say goodbye to it. You know what they say? 60 is the new 59. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, up next, a very funny man and a good friend of ours, Mr. Gabe Kaplan. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a babbling brook? No. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you for being here. Get Mo Bros. And we're going to sign out and see you guys next time on Ear and Loathing. Goodbye. Good night. Bye. Ear and Loathing. Just ride the Gitmo comedy wave. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next time for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye.